0: Welcome to Filled with His Love. I just heard today that those who are residents in the Lighthouse Sanctuary in the Philippines, this is a sanctuary for trafficked and abused young people. When they were coming back from an FSY experience, the leader of the group told me that they listened to this podcast all the way back home episode after episode as they drove. So you never know when you do a podcast how far it goes and who it reaches. That made me happy to hear that. I want to begin today with a an excerpt from Elder Joseph B. Worthlin's talk a number of years ago when he said, I remember when I was young, there was an older boy who was physically and mentally disabled. He had a speech impediment and walked with difficulty. The boys used to make fun of him. They teased and taunted him, until sometimes he would cry. We would now call that bullying. I can still hear his voice. You're not kind to me, he said. And still they would ridicule him, push him, and make jokes about him. One day I could bear it no longer, although I was only seven years old. Think of it. Elder Worthlin was only seven years old at the time. The Lord gave me the courage to stand up to my friends. Don't touch him, I said to them. Stop teasing him. Be kind. He is a child of God. My friends stepped back and turned away. This is quite a powerful scene, I think. A seven-year-old boy trying to help his peers not be so mean and nasty to his friend. We're either giving life to each other or we're taking it. We're either building one another or we're tearing each other down. Every encounter, every meeting, every conversation opens to us a door to give life, to build up the soul of another, to become, literally, a savior on Mount Zion. In the Doctrine and Covenants it says, For they were set to be a light unto the world, and to be saviors of men. And inasmuch as they are not the saviors of men, they are as salt that has lost its savor. Elder Worthlin was in very deed a saviour on Mount Zion to that young boy who was getting bullied. And I don't believe it was by chance that he was present at that specific moment when he could teach his peers that bullying was not acceptable, that they needed to change. I believe that was a divine rendezvous. And divine rendezvous always lift one another, just as Elder Worthlins did. For divine rendezvous to happen, at least one person in the encounter needs to have a close relationship with the Savior, which I believe Elder Worthland did even at age seven. Now I want to turn to a more everyday example. Last week, we needed our sprinkler system fixed. I thought it might be the electrical part of it that was uh, in disrepair, but it wasn't. I, I got the new part, put it on myself, and it didn't fix it. So I called the sprinkler repair people, and they came, sent this young man to help. He finished the repair job and went home, and then we went to turn on the sprinklers because he did not have a chance to test it while we were there because we were away while he was working on it. When we tested it, we found out that a number of the zones of the sprinkler system did not work. So we had to call him and ask him to come back. He came back a couple of days later when he could. And it was during that meeting that things became very interesting. After he had fixed the sprinkler system and everything worked fine, he asked where we had served as mission president. And we mentioned that it was South Dakota. And he said, oh, by chance, have you ever heard of Carl Ivor Sandberg? We said, of course we've heard of Carl Ivor Sandberg. Uh, we remember going to the Gettysburg branch in South Dakota, a very small town with a very small meeting house and only a few members of the church. But yes, we have attended church in Gettysburg, and that's where Carl Ivor Sandberg came uh, when he immigrated to America. Why did he come to America? He was in Sweden. He was born in Sweden, raised in Sweden. And as a young man, he accidentally shot and killed one of his best friends while they were hunting. Even though that incident was ruled as an accident, it became very difficult for him to live in that town because some people still blamed him. So he decided to emigrate to America. And he went to South Dakota. He liked to read, and so he would go to the library, and he wanted to find books that were religious in nature, and the librarian one day said, well, um, there is one book, and I hesitate to show it to you, but I don't want to give this book to you, but there is one book called The Book of Mormon that you probably haven't read. Well, he did take that Book of Mormon out of the little Gettysburg library, and Now I'm going to read a few excerpts from a story that was just published on August 10th, 2022, in LDS Living. This story of Ivor Sandberg lives on in so many ways in this recent publication. So here's what it said. Ivor Sandberg said, I had not read many pages before I discovered I had found a most remarkable book, and the tears started to run down my cheeks, and the most sweet spirit seemed to be present. I had my cap on as I started to read the Book of Mormon, but before long I felt a man ought to read such a book with a bare head. He had always read, he said, novels with his cap on, but when he started to read the Book of Mormon, he thought it was maybe another novel, but then it felt sacred to him, so he wanted to take his cap off. So... Then he went to Salt Lake because he learned that that was the church headquarters, and he requested baptism uh, and was referred to a brother, Joseph S. Perry, who was the mission president of Temple Square. Ivor later recalled that President Perry drilled him with a series of questions. Where did you contact the missionaries? What do you know about us and our doctrine? Ivor responded, I know it is the true church. How do you know, Perry asked. "'Through the books I've read,' Ivor responded. "'I mentioned about 25 books I had read, "'and I could see that he looked at the Temple Square Guide and marveled,' Ivor recalled. "'Perry permitted the baptism the following Monday, October 1, 1934, "'and Sandberg was immersed in the tabernacle font before a group of passing tourists. "'Ivor then spent several months in Salt Lake City until mid-February, 1935.' Ivor Sandberg, I believe, had a divine rendezvous with that librarian and then later with Joseph Perry. Without that librarian, he may never have heard of the church and without Joseph Perry, he may not have been baptized when he was. I even believe that our encounter with our sprinkler repairman was divinely orchestrated. In one sense, we were all strengthened by the conversation But we were doubly strengthened by reflecting back on Ivor Sandberg, a man of such amazing faith and devotion. He literally was the founding father, in a sense, of the church in South Dakota, bringing many people into the church uh, in the next several years. Ivor Sandberg was the great-grandfather of our sprinkler repairman, and our sprinkler repairman even opened his wallet to show us a picture of his great-grandfather, which, by the way, is the same picture that appears in the article that appears in LDS Living. So, all of these encounters with librarians, with those who permit baptism, with missionaries, these can all be divine rendezvous, and they help us grow together. I want to close this episode with a thought that is paraphrased from the Talmud. So this is a Jewish thought. Why was man created alone? Is it not true that the Creator could have created the whole of humanity? But man was created alone to teach you that whoever kills one life, kills the entire world. And whoever saves one life saves the entire world. This thought applies to those in the Lighthouse Sanctuary who are saving one trafficked or abused child at a time. It applies to Elder Worthlin when he was seven years old trying to save that one friend with a disability. And it applies to Ivor Sandberg who was trying to bring the gospel to anyone who would listen in South Dakota. And I believe it saved him from the pain and the anguish that he had felt after accidentally killing his best friend. This is really the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most of us do not have a chance to save thousands, but we do have a chance every day to build another up or to give life to them or as the doctrine of covenant says to be a savior on mount zion and that's what i believe the rabbi meant when he penned these words in that talmudic thought and whoever saves one life saves the entire world I hope you'll look around at those close to you, at the encounters you have each day, the conversations, the meetings, and identify those that perhaps you can lift and build and save. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.